Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Um, before we get started, let's do as we always do. Let's engage in the rule of life. Let's take a moment to just come before God and exhale all the anxiety, all the ruminating thoughts, all the troubles, all of the things that cause us to stumble and worry and fail, and exhale it and present it before God. And inhale God's presence, the presence of the one who saved us, who redeemed us, who is changing us, every day. Today's Jesus Calling, August 6th. When things seem to be going all wrong, stop and affirm your trust in me. Calmly bring these matters to me and leave them in my capable hands. Then simply do the next thing. Stay in touch with me through thankful, trusting prayers, resting in my sovereign control. Rejoice in me, exult in the God of your salvation. As you trust in me, I make your feet like the feet of a deer. I enable you to walk and make progress upon your high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. So last week, we talked about engaging in our emotions. We talked about bringing them before God and responsibly expressing them and looking to him for that resolution. We talked about how we can't just leave them unexpressed. We can't leave them bottled up. We need that healthy expression and resolution. Otherwise, they will get internalized, they will get bottled up, and they will rot us from the inside out. And sometimes even worse can happen because in response to those unprocessed and unexpressed emotions, we can respond in some very, very unhealthy ways. And sometimes we can even get stuck in a moment of time. And one of the times where we feel our emotions the strongest is probably when we've been wronged, when we've been hurt, when someone or something has done something to us and we feel this wasn't right, this shouldn't have happened. And we feel those emotions incredibly strong and again sometimes we react to them and the old saying hurt people hurt people when we have been hurt we are liable to hurt others when we feel wronged we can react to that and it causes us to live in the past it causes us to live in that moment of pain and hurt and it prevents us from moving on in our lives uh, I am a big nerd, as you guys know, uh, from last week where I started with a Star Trek reference, and uh, I'm going to do it again. So let's put these two pictures up. So I'm an old school Star Trek guy. I'm from the 80s kind of Star Trek guy. So my favorite Star Trek movie is The Wrath of Khan. It's that very angry looking fellow up there. Um, in The Wrath of Khan, Khan is 
marooned on a planet. He is set there by Captain Kirk. He was put there in exile, and he's very angry because he's marooned there. He feels himself to be a prince among men. He feels himself to be this great ruler, and he's stuck there in exile on a dead planet, watching his people slowly be killed off. And by some sheer dumb luck chance, he actually has the chance to escape from this exile. He has a chance to get away from it and just move on from life. But all he has in his heart is hatred for Kirk, for having been wronged, for having been put on that planet. And he misquotes Captain Ahab of Moby Dick, another famous character who just could not let something go when he says, I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round perdition's flame before I give him up. He is consumed with his anger. And just like Captain Ahab, it ends poorly with him. He can't set aside his heart. He can't set aside his vengeance. He can't move on with his life. And it costs him everything. On the other side, we do have Captain Kirk, the Starfleet officer, you know, the pride of the fleet and everything like this. And anybody who knows anything about Star Trek, you always know there's the good guys of Starfleet and there's the bad guys of the Klingons. And Kirk had extra reason to hate the Klingons because a rogue group of them captured his son, chased him down, hunted him down, and while Kirk was forced to listen, they murdered him, while Kirk could do nothing to stop them. And he had a hard time moving on from that hatred, from that unforgiveness. But come one of the later movies, he actually has to learn how to forgive. He actually has to learn how to work with the Klingons to actually form a peace agreement while some of his own people are more than happy to stay in hatred and warring with each other. And because he learns to forgive, because he learns to move beyond his hurt, his pain at losing his son, his son being taken from him. He's actually able to move forward with this peace process and actually bring these two terrible groups together to move forward. See, when it comes to forgiveness, a lot of times we talk about our need for forgiveness. And this is all well and good because we are in need of forgiveness. We always need to go back to the cross where Christ forgave us. And even when we take on that identity as sons and daughters of Christ, as saints who do stumble into sin, we still know that we need forgiveness. But I think sometimes we forget that we also need to extend forgiveness to others. And in fact, Jesus calls us to extend that forgiveness. In Matthew 18, when Peter says, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my knucklehead brother? He may not have said knucklehead, but we know the, the implication of that. How many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, I tell you, 70 times seven, you are to forgive him. We're called to forgive those who have hurt us, those who have sinned against us, those who have done terrible things to us, or even just mindlessly just hurt our feelings, even sometimes something so small. We are called to forgive, and that's no fun. A lot of us have been wronged. A lot of us have experienced a lot of suffering and a lot of pain because of the choices and the actions and even the sins of others. And a lot of us have felt such serious trauma from it that sometimes we get stuck in that moment of hurt, that moment of pain where we can't move beyond it where if we saw that person that hurt us, we would shoot daggers across the room at them and just, you know, that kind of grill them, if not even just go up to them and say, yo, you effed up, man. You really hurt me. Those are 
unhealthy methods of expressions, but it comes so naturally, so normally to us, right? And again, sometimes it's even worse if that person that's hurt us is someone that we've trusted, someone that we thought was maybe that ride or die friend that would always be with us in life, or even someone that we thought was a brother and sister in Christ that was going to be on that journey of faith with us. You know, none of us is exempt from being hurt by others or sometimes being the one who hurt others. That is just part of life. We do stumble, we do fall. Today is all about forgiveness. And it's not just about our need for forgiveness, but it's our need to offer forgiveness. Again, going back to Victory Over the Darkness, Neil Anderson talks about it because in our identity as emotional beings, it's important that we don't live our lives as emotionally wounded people. And the primary way to heal those wounds is to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us. And we have to do that first before we actually feel any relief over that. And again, it's not for the sake of the person that hurt us, that we're doing this. This isn't about you know us being the bigger person, us being the one who is going to forgive because we're so much better. No, actually, we're gonna take a kind of greedy look at it today. This is all about what forgiveness does for us. It's a little bit weird, right? And you don't always think of it like that. But Anderson goes into it, and he goes into it in so much better detail than I can today, but he talks about what forgiveness is, what forgiveness isn't, and he talks about how in forgiveness, we can actually move on in our lives and live life to the full. So Anderson, like I said, he talks about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is. And let's start with what forgiveness is not, if we can put this up on the screen. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Sometimes it's easy to just say, you know what, forget about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to you know, move on from this. It is fine to remember that we have been hurt. It is not a sin to acknowledge that we have been hurt. But just ignoring trauma, just ignoring things, is not forgiveness. So it's not just ignoring that something happened. That's just unaddressed emotion. And we already said that's no good. Forgiveness is not tolerating sin. Boundaries are a good thing. Boundaries are an important thing. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you take more abuse from that person. Maybe you do limit contact with the person. Maybe you do walk away from a person or from a situation that has hurt you. But even that can be situational because just walking away from something, just setting boundaries from something, that's not forgiveness either. Forgiveness is not seeking revenge or retaliating based on sin. And that sounds so good, right? Just getting back at someone that's hurt us. That is not what forgiveness is. Sometimes we want to strike back at that person. We want to think, I'm going to get justice for this. But that's not justice. That's actually more vengeance. And the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So going back at a person because they've hurt you, that is not forgiveness. And does that feel like letting them off the hook? Yeah, sometimes it does feel like letting them off the hook. And then the truth of the matter is we are letting them off our hook. We are saying, I am not going to seek vengeance or justice or whatever for this situation. It's putting it over in God's hands for that. Now, an important clarification, and Anderson makes this clarification as well, sometimes there will be consequences for the person that's hurt you. It is not your job to make sure that they get that. 
Sometimes it will mean, like, so let's say you've been the victim of a crime. You are perfectly fine to go and testify against that person. Anderson even says it, if I can find it right here. You may have to testify in court for the sake of civic justice. Just make sure you have forgiven that person from your heart before you testify in public. Because trust me, I've seen people testify. I've seen people testify that are angry. We can always tell. But anyway, getting that revenge, that is not forgiveness. And forgiveness is not confronting the person, expecting them to make major changes. So going after someone, confronting them, that may not change that person. And in fact, you don't need to confront a person in order to forgive them. You may be in a situation where that person or that situation that's hurt you is not something you can address person to person, face to face, situation to situation anymore. You may never get that face to face time with that person. And you know what? Even if you did, that's no guarantee that they will change. So confronting someone is not forgiveness. Now, in forgiving someone, you may be reconciled to that person. And God's heart is always for reconciliation. You know, when two people who have been wounded come back together and there is forgiveness and then there is reconciliation, hallelujah, that is a beautiful thing. But that is not something that's in our control. We can forgive someone who may not want to be forgiven. And again, this is just a side note, trust me, when you tell someone that you forgive them for something and they don't want to hear it, I I'm speaking from experience. It can lead to a very, very interesting conversation. Again, sometimes confronting that person is not the best idea, but there still needs to be forgiveness, and confronting them is not in and of itself forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is what Christ extended to us on the cross when he bore the consequences of our sins. And this is what Anderson says. If we can put this quote from Victory Over the Darkness. Forgiveness is resolving to live with the consequences of another person's sin. In reality, you will have to live with the consequences of the offender's sin, whether you forgive that person or not. Suppose someone in your church says, I have gossiped about you all over town. Will you forgive me? You can't retract that gossip any easier than you can put toothpaste back into the tube. You will have to live with the consequences of that person's gossip, no matter how you respond. We are all living with the consequences of someone else's sin. In fact, every person on the planet is living with the consequences of Adam's sin. The only real choice is to live with those consequences in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. And it is true, we do live with the effects and the consequences of the sins and the actions of those who are around us. And the truth is we can either stay stuck being bitter, being angry, being captive in that moment, or we can forgive. If we go to our scripture today, Paul, in, the, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, he puts this in just two simple verses. Just two verses explains all of this. In verse 32... He, this is what he calls us to. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He's calling us to live in forgiveness just as God forgave us. And verse 31 is what forgiveness calls us out of. 
when he writes, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So there's what Paul is calling us into, forgiveness, and what Paul is calling us out of. But if you read these in reverse, if you read these kind of backwards, you can see what happens if we don't, if we are not kind and compassionate to one another, if we are unforgiving of one another, unlike what Christ did to us, we will live in bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and every other form of malice. It's a very conditional statement here. If you are willing to forgive, you will move out of these things. If you are not willing to forgive, you will be stuck in these things. And even more than just in these actions, you will be stuck in that moment of hurt and pain for a very long time. You will forever be the victim of whatever it is that hurt you. Let's put this uh, news article up. You may recognize the person over there. This is actually uh, from one of my best and worst days on the job, July 18th, 2017. Um, I say it was the best because unlike what this article says, you guys probably can't read it, but at the bottom it says where a person cold cocked a court officer. I can tell you that is fake news because I was not cold cocked. Uh, according to one of my friends who was there, I ate that haymaker and I kept coming. <laughs> and we did a good job that day because nobody else in that courtroom got hurt. But I will say it was a bad day because we did get hurt and I got hurt. And it honestly kicked off maybe three or four of the hardest years in my life. And it was beyond the physical effects of having a concussion, which if you've ever had a concussion, you know how much that stuff sucks. But there were psychosomatic effects. There was the feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling dizzy today. Is this a effect of that? Even, even to this day, and like I said, this is 2017, so this is six years ago. Even today, when I get a little bit of a dizzy spell, I'm like, oh crap, is that the concussion coming back? Those things can linger for a while, and that's just the physical effects of it, and again, the psychosomatic effects of it. And there was the string of bad luck that happened, and which had nothing to do with this. I had my apartment flood in October of 2017, and even though that has nothing to do with this event, it was just that linking of, this is just another bad thing. My life has just gone downhill from this day. And the biggest kick of it all was actually when I thought I was going to get justice. And remember what I said, justice is not forgiveness. It actually took about nine months for the district attorney's office to decide to charge the guy who uh, assaulted us in that courtroom. And even after that, it took months and months for them to finally go forward with a trial. And then one day, as I'm at work, I have a whole bunch of my friends who worked in that courthouse coming up to me as they were going home saying, yo, dude, you got screwed. I'm so sorry, man. I'm like, what do you mean? What's going on? It turned out, without the DA letting me know, they decided to dispose of the case. They took a plea deal from the uh, individual. Uh, instead of for assaulting the three of us, he only took a plea deal for assaulting me. And he got sentenced to one day in jail. And the funny thing about the way sentencing works is it starts whenever you get arrested. So 
he technically served his jail sentence before I even realized I had a concussion. That hurt. That hurt like heck. And we talk about um, you know, unhealthy expressions of uh, emotion. There may or may not have been a footprint on a refrigerator at work after I heard about that, but I digress. Yeah, that hurt. And for a long time, I held on to that incident. I held on to that anger. I started to actually divide my life in pre-incident and post-incident. I started to tell time by that. I started to think of like, oh, this person's wedding was before I had my concussion. This person's wedding was after I had my concussion. I remember helping this person move some furniture the day before the concussion. I remember this, that, the other thing after the concussion. I was stuck in that moment of July 18th, 2017, for probably about four or five years, not being able to move forward because I could not forgive. I could not lay that before God and say, I forgive for this pain, for this hurt, for this situation. Until I made that decision to bear the consequences of the sin, of the actions of others, I lived in that bitterness. It was five years of my life being on hold, all because I could not forgive. Thankfully, by some leading in the community, by some very intense therapy afterwards, and again, way too late, should have gone into it many years ahead of time, but it took a lot for me to learn forgiveness, to learn to let go, to learn to bear the consequences of the sins of others. So, if for my first point today, if we can put this up, why is forgiveness so important to our identity? Forgiveness breaks the past's hold on you. Because I could not forgive, I was stuck in that day and I could not move forward. And it wasn't until I started processing forgiveness for them that I could move beyond it. Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, if I saw the person who punched me in the head, I would want to go up and talk to them. Definitely would not. I'm not going to say that if I saw the DA that made that plea deal, I would go up to and talk to them. Probably would not. But I'm not filled with rage and anger and malice. I am not filled with unforgiveness. I am not captive to that anymore. Today is August 6th, 2023. It is not July 18th, 2017. So my question for you guys is, where are you stuck because forgiveness isn't there? What are the things, the traumas, the pains that you need to leave before God and to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt you? Because otherwise you will be stuck just like I was in that moment. What is your July 18th, 2017? What is your moment that you can't let go of? And I pray that God might show you where you're stuck to help you move beyond it in forgiveness. Because, again, this isn't about altruism. This isn't about being the bigger person to forgive for somebody else's sake. This is about giving forgiveness to them for your own sake so that you are not stuck living life tied down to a moment in unforgiveness and bitterness and malice. It's about being free. And yes, it may be hard. It may be incredibly difficult. You may need to seek some help 
on processing it and working it out. But there are resources out there. And at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is there to lead us in that forgiveness as well. Because where we are weak, He is strong. And He is strong to lead us in forgiveness. So that's my first point. Forgiveness breaks the past's hold on you. And there's another thing that Anderson says about forgiveness and what it is, or rather what you can expect from forgiveness. If we can put this quote up. Anderson writes, expect positive results of forgiving others. In time, you will be able to think about the people without triggering primary emotions. That doesn't mean you will like those who are abusive. It means you are free from them. Old feelings may try to recycle themselves. When that happens, stop and thank God for his provision. And don't pick up those old offenses again. You dealt with it, now let it go. Now, as a clarification of what Anderson is talking about, when he says primary emotions, he means those residual effects of trauma, those things that bring us back to that moment. Maybe it's the name of someone that hurt you. Maybe it's a location where you say, oh, I avoid that part of town because that's where I got hurt, or I avoid this subject because it's where I got hurt. You know, it's those emotional trigger points for us. And when we forgive, we have the chance to be free of those trigger points. When we forgive, we're free to move on to the next stage of life. Like he says, you dealt with it, now let it go. We can move on to the next thing in our life. And the truth of the matter is, when we do move on from those points of trauma, from those points of pain, when we do bring forgiveness into those places, we are able to live life to the full, as God calls it, because now we can move on. And the things that God has for us when we move on from those places can be incredible and they can take many inspiring forms. About a month ago when we were having some remote services we showed a interview that Tim, Kill Tim Keller gave and he was speaking about forgiveness and he mentioned an NYPD officer who, um, who was shot and forgave his attacker. And as soon as he mentioned it, I knew exactly who he was talking about because uh, I've heard the story so many times over and over again. If we can put this picture up. This is the individual who he was talking about. Officer Stephen McDonald was an NYPD officer, a beat cop, in 1986. He was 29 years old. He was married to his wife, Patty Ann, for all of about eight months. The gentleman next to him is his son and his wife was three months pregnant with him in 1986. And on July 12, 1986, while he was working in Central Park, he was shot three times by 15-year-old Shavad Jones, and as a result of that, he was left a quadriplegic for the rest of his life. He could not breathe on his own, he could not move on his own, and for months he was actually just barely clinging to life. And author and pastor uh, Johann Christoph Arnold told his story, among many others, in a book called Why Forgive. And MacDonald told his story in his own words. And honestly, I can't think of any better way to explain what it looks like to move on and to forgive than to just read what Stephen MacDonald said. And this isn't the full interview that he did. Again, I'm recommending a lot of books up here. Victory Over the Darkness, great book. Why Forgive, another great book. But this is what Officer McDonald wrote. 
Then about six months after I was shot, Patty Ann gave birth to a baby boy. We named him Connor. To me, Connor's birth was like a message from God that I should live and live differently. And it was clear to me that I had to respond to that message. I prayed that I would be changed, that the person I was would be replaced by something new. That prayer was answered with a desire to forgive the young man who shot me. I wanted to free myself of all the negative, destructive emotions that his act of violence had unleashed in me, anger, bitterness, hatred, and other feelings. I needed to free myself of those emotions so that I could love my wife and our child and those around us. Then shortly after Connor's birth, we held a press conference. People wanted to know what I was thinking and how I was doing. That's when Patty Ann told everyone that I had forgiven the young man who tried to kill me. Strangely, we became friends. It began with my writing to him. At first, he didn't answer my letters, but then he wrote back. Then one night, a year or two later, he called my home from prison and apologized to my wife, my son, and me. We accepted his apology, and I told him I hoped he and I could work together in the future. I hope that one day we might travel around the country together, sharing how this act of violence had changed both our lives and how it had given us an understanding of what is most important in life. I forgave Shavad because I believe the only thing worse than receiving a bullet to the spine would have been to nurture revenge in my heart. Such an attitude would have extended my injury to my soul, hurting my wife, son, and others even more. It's bad enough that the physical, <clears throat> excuse me, it's bad enough that the physical effects are permanent, but at least I can choose to prevent spiritual injury. Of course, I didn't forgive Shavad right away. It took time. Things have evolved over 14 years. I think about it almost every day, but I can say this, I've never regretted forgiving him. Now, Stephen and Shavad never got to do that tour that he planned. Unfortunately, Shavad was killed in a motorcycle accident in 1995. But until he passed away in 2017, Stephen McDonald made it his life's goal to speak about forgiveness, to break down those cycles of violence that so many of us get caught up in. He helped form a group called Breaking the Cycle with Johan Arnold. And to this day, that foundation is still at work whether in the inner cities, and even Stephen McDonald went as far as Northern Ireland during the 90s. And I don't know if you know, guys know about Northern Ireland in the 90s, but that was a time called the Troubles, where brother and sister were fighting with each other, killing each other. It was basically a civil war in the streets of Northern Ireland. And he went there to preach forgiveness for one another. It was all starting from when McDonald decided that instead of being angry, instead of giving in to hate and unforgiveness, instead of staying in that moment of July 12, 1986, for the rest of his life, he was going to forgive the man who nearly killed him. And it began a life in him that God called him to, to lead a life that blessed so many others, so that he could just live his life with the goal of getting people to see the most important thing, that just seeing people as people in need of love and forgiveness. And it all started with that decision that he made to forgive. And that life blessed countless others. 
and his story is still blessing others to this day. So here's my second point today. Why is forgiveness so important for our identity? If we can put this point up, forgiveness allows you to embrace God's future for you. Stephen McDonald was able to forgive Shavad Jones, and in that forgiveness, he was able to leave that bitterness and hatred behind. And instead of impacting his wife and his son and his friends and family's lives in a negative way because he held that unforgiveness, he was able to impact the lives of so many people with forgiveness, to bring people together rather than divide it apart. It wasn't easy, and I'm leaving out a lot of Stephen McDonald's story. I'd rather you guys read it for yourself. But if we are willing to forgive, if we are willing to let go of that trauma, if we are willing to let go of the pains that we may hold on to because we've hurt, been hurt by others, there is a life that God has for us that can bless so many others. When we live in unforgiveness, we stay stuck in that moment. We stay stuck in bitterness and rage and malice. When we give forgiveness, even if we may not be reconciled with that person, even if we may never see that person again, and maybe we're fine with never seeing that person again, but when we live in forgiveness, when we say, I will bear the consequence of that person's sin, because that is what Christ has done for me, we are set free from that moment in time. We are set free to move on in our lives, to live life to the full, and to do amazing things. So my question for you guys today as we close is, what is the future that God has for you that you might be missing out on because there's something that you can't forgive? There's something that you're holding on to. I dare you guys to dream big about what living in forgiveness might look like for you guys. How God might set you free in that moment and give you life to the full to help others, to forgive others just as Christ has forgiven us. So if you guys would stand with me today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son to the cross to bear the consequences of our sins. And Lord, even though it is difficult, even though we may be stuck in a moment of pain and trauma, and hurt. I pray that you would lead us into forgiveness for those places, for those things, for those situations that have hurt us. I pray that as we sang during worship, that you would turn our sorrow into joy, that you would turn our mourning into dancing as we live in forgiveness, as we offer that to those who have hurt us, because you have forgiven us first. I pray that we would live in the overflow of that forgiveness that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I just want to, as we end today, just pray a confession of weakness to our Lord and just call on the Spirit to guide us in this process of forgiveness. Just let's just lift our hands to Him and surrender our hearts. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for Christ, your son, whom you gave so sacrificially and so lovingly 
to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the foundation and the pillar of our faith. We confess, Father, that we often have trouble forgiving like you have forgiven us. We confess in our weakness, in our flesh, often in our pride and self-righteousness, often in our short-sightedness. We have trouble letting go. And we ask today humbly for the guidance and the leading of your spirit that by the power of your love that you would give us the grace to let go and to surrender those parts to you. We also confess, God, that we are broken people, often hurt by the events in our lives that have scarred us and wounded us. We, are, we confess that we are deeply in need of healing. We confess that we are deeply wounded and deeply in need of your touch. We confess that we are in process, often struggling, but we pray today that by the leading of your spirit and by the power of your love, that you would set us free from the chains that hold us down. Lord, we know that it is a process. And Lord, we know that it's going to take days, years, a lifetime possibly. But that is why we turn to you today. And we turn to you every day, living every day by the power of your love. So let's sing this as a confession to him. Let's sing this as a cry for leading and guidance in hope that he will restore us and renew us as people and as a community of love. Father, lead us to your son. Lord, I come to you. Lord, I come to you with my heart. Let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in. This is what discipleship is about. Lord, I come to know the weaknesses I see. Lord, I come to know the weaknesses I see. In me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Hold me close, let your love surround.
live in us today. To face the knowledge of your love. Pour out your healing and your love. work of your spirit in all our relationships. As we close today, as we did last week, let's pray in the way that Jesus taught us. If we can put those words up. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So go in peace today, and live in the forgiveness that Christ has given us, and bring that to others.